Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, Today we are continuing in our study of the Big Ten, or the Ten Commandments. And so far we've learned that the Ten Commandments, man, aren't just like a, uh, some dusty law code uh, in the annals of history, but that they are uh, actually codes, commands, moral principles, laws given by God, uh, reflecting His own nature and character. And so we've learned that when we follow those, we give God the glory and honor that He richly deserves, of course. But we've also found out that by extension and as a result, it works out for our good. Right, because God is our ultimate good, following His character and His laws, works out for our good by design. So we're commanded to do certain things in part, uh, of course, for God's glory, but also for our own good. You know, there's a, there's a mistaken idea in culture that God's laws are oppressive in some way, but what we've discovered is that God's laws are actually liberating. They're freeing because we live life as it's designed to be lived. And so there's, they, they, these laws bring life with them. Uh, as, as they come. And that's certainly the case with our commandment today. We're going to be looking at the commandment, uh, the sixth commandment, often rendered probably as you have it in your memory in your, in your Bible, thou shalt not kill, right? And the commandments are rightly understood as things that we ought not to do, uh, killing uh, <laughs> being one of them, but they also by necessity reveal things that we should do. Um, since we're seeking to learn to live well through these commandments, we've tried to not only um, put the commandments as something that you shouldn't do, which they are, but also as something you should do. That's why we've titled our time today positively, Honor Life as Sacred. And so let's turn to our, it's a real quick text, straightforward, very short. Uh, you'll see it coming up, coming up on the screen, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. And it says, you shall not murder. Uh, you know, in, in many ways, we may all say, well, that's great. I don't do that. Thank you. Let's go eat lunch. And this really doesn't apply to us. And um, hopefully, it, you know, very few of us have, have murdered anyone. So, um, but, but I think it, it actually does uh, apply to us, maybe more than we would suspect. Um, and God put this in his book and left this in his book for a reason. Um, now, like I said, since many of us understand this commandment to be thou shalt not kill, but I just read, and you just saw on the screen, and maybe saw in your Bible, you shall not murder. Uh, let's talk about why that's different. Um, scholars relay that according to the original language and in context, this refers to unauthorized killing. Right? So it's not all killing is, is bad, um, but it's any killing that was against God's law. And this makes sense too, right? Because think about it. We know elsewhere in God's law, He actually allows for and even commands killing um, in, in, some, in some ways. So this commandment to not murder uh, doesn't relate to ending uh, life in general, but like, you know, like uh, you can kill animals for food. It doesn't relate to capital punishment within the Levitical law or the killing of an intruder to protect one's family, or even killing a person in the midst of just war. All these things are authorized in Scripture in one way or another. So let's define it. You see it coming up? uh, It's up on the screen. 
According to the Bible, then, if you're a note taker, you may want to write it down. Murder is any intentional taking of human life outside of explicit authorization given in God's law. Okay, fair enough. Maybe we'll take a picture of it with your phone, something like that. Uh, because God's law, this is important, is an expression of His character, I want us to understand that murder isn't just illegal, right? It's not just wrong because it's illegal according to human laws, but that murder is against God's character. And we'll dig into this more uh, in just a little bit. And it's against His law, and therefore it's not only illegal, it's also sinful, all right? Um, we'll see, uh, we, and we know and experience, but we'll see later that man's law and God's character don't always match, right? Um, and so we need to understand that murder is actually a, a sinful thing. And again, thankfully, most of us realize that. Most of us don't practice that with, with one another. Um, you know, even in a, a secular environment, we realize that uh, intentionally ending an innocent human life uh, is wrong, right? This is kind of written on our hearts. Uh, our conscience bears witness to that. Uh, civil society depends on, on all of us agreeing <laughs> on, on this. That's how we're able to live with one another. And so I'm grateful to say that usually, usually we do. Um, but I want us to see, take some time to see why it's objectively wrong, not just like, again, not subjectively, well, you know, the, the government says it's wrong or, uh, you know, the local police say it's wrong, or, or it, but why objectively is it wrong? We not only instinctively, subjectively feel it's wrong, I want you to see how we can know that murder is actually wrong. Um, this goes back to the original creation of how God designed things. You'll see a passage coming up on the screen, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. We're going to see a conversation between the three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are the one God. Uh, and it reads like this, Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, most of us are familiar, uh, at least most of us who, if you have like a church background or whatever, you're familiar with this passage, um, but it tells us some very important things about human beings that, again, society, is whether we realize it or not, actually founded on, uh, and this commandment is certainly founded on. It tells us that God created humans differently. We we're set apart from the animals um, and, and the rest of creation, and we we're given a special identity and a special worth by the Lord. As one author put it, he says, in essence, our lives were to bear the signature of God, identifying us as His special creation, endowed with a unique set of abilities and qualities that reflect His heart and character. Uh, so the reason uh, it's important for our discussion today, this commandment of not murdering, uh, is because human life is sacred and it's set apart. That's what the word holy means. It's set apart for God. And so that's why we've titled today, Honor life as sacred. So it's, it's important to realize that when a murder occurs, it's not just a sin against the person who's been murdered, but more fundamentally and primarily and at a, its base level, it is a sin against God Himself. It's the destruction of His image. 
Uh, ending a, an innocent human life is the termination of the image of God. I want you to stop and think about that for just a second. Let that sink in because the more we explore today, the more important realizing the weight of that truth is going to be. Ending an innocent human life is a termination of the image of God. So that's the first thing that this uh, Genesis passage tells us about human beings. Second, it says that murder, uh, murder seeks to assert another authority on top of God. For you to think about that. Um, and so it's an expression of idolatry. We desire to be God and create our own rules. So in many ways, it's also breaking the first commandment, don't, don't have any other gods. And here's why this is the case. When you uh, or I or anyone unjustly ends a human life, we're expressing authority over that life, aren't we? We are saying that we have the right to choose whether that person has the right to live any longer. And that's why a few chapters later in Genesis, God delivers kind of the precursor to the sixth commandment where we are today. He tells Noah and Noah's offspring about honoring life as sacred. He says, and for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, and I will require a reckoning for the life of man. And then God lays out the law. He says, whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image, right? There's the justification for it because God made man in his own image. And so then when you murder someone, you're setting yourself up as the judge, as the arbiter of life and death. And so God then, the real judge, has to give us these laws because we are lawless and we are uh, idolatrous. We want to set up our own selves to make up our own rules. So uh, God gives us that. So we see that God says that human life is sacred, it's holy to Him, and we should honor life as sacred and holy as well. Uh, God alone uh, has the authority and the right to say when life begins and ends. Why, why is that? He's the author of it, right? Like he, he, he's, he's the creator uh, of life. So when we do so, when we end a life outside of God's law, then we have set ourselves up as the arbiter of life. We put ourselves in the place of God. And I want to consider just a few applications of these truths um, how we can become an unjust society when we don't honor life as sacred. And there's a reason that uh, the Ten Commandments used to be in like courtrooms and stuff, because God's law is higher than man's law. And man doesn't always follow God's law, right? Uh, but only God's law is perfect and good and just and right. One of the, consider the uh, implications of these truths that we've just learned so far that we as a society have begun to, begun to normalize things like euthanasia. It is like the killing of the weak or the aged against their will. We've begun to normalize things like suicide. It's choosing to take your own life, either by your own means or by help from a doctor. You know, God is the author of life. And when we take the life of another person or even our own lives, think about it, we're doing so against God. Our lives are not ours to take. He's the author of life. And so when we uh, do such a thing, we've broken his commandment. And so we've broken his heart and we've committed murder. Consider the commandments uh, in terms of those we send off to war for unjust reasons, maybe. You know, God help us. 
to not send our sons and daughters, precious human lives to die for an unjust cause, or even to commit unjust acts during war. There's a reason that's an outrage. You know, what, what, is, a, what is a human life worth? Because that's going to be the cost, right? Uh, human beings uh, are not cannon fodder to advance the agenda of some uh, oligarch or politician or even the agenda of like uh, the military industrial complex. Human beings are not cannon fodder. I, I, I laugh because I shouldn't even have to say that. Right? We, should, we, we know that to be, to be true. And I believe that the Bible indicates that there are times when war is necessary. But man, we've got to be very careful and, and calculate and weigh the cost of if, when, and how. And when we do so unjustly, we've broken this commandment. And because the commandments are a reflection of the heart of God, we've broken the heart of God. And we have committed murder. Consider the commandment in terms of the single most innocent of all human beings, those still in the womb. You know, this has strangely been deemed, uh, in, ending these specific lives has been deemed not only okay, but a right by our culture. Again, I say that man's laws are not always lined up with God's laws, but when we electively choose, and that's a very important distinction to make, so I'm not talking about an unintended miscarriage or a truly life-saving procedure. And no, when we electively, those things aren't considered even medically to be abortion, by the way. When we electively choose to end a human life, this innocent, the most innocent lives among us, and they are human lives. You know, the science of embryology confirms that quite, quite well. These are human beings, so let's not fool ourselves about that. And the Bible teaches that he or she is a precious life that God has given. When we electively choose to kill this human being, maybe because someone has scared us into thinking we aren't ready to be pregnant or because we don't want to sacrifice our education or our dreams or our careers or our reputation, you know, think about it. Those things don't justify killing any human being, including these. Uh, so regardless of what our fallen human legal system says is a right, when we sacrifice that precious little one on the altar of hopes and fears and dreams, ambitions, or anything else, we're guilty of breaking this commandment. And because the commandments are a reflection of the heart of God, we've broken the heart of God because we've committed murder. Consider the commandments and what we've learned when we unjustly and wrongfully send prisoners off to be executed or give them life in prison. This happens more than you might think. Uh, regardless of whether you think there are times where capital punishment still applies today or, or whether you don't, it's a well-established fact that because of political expediency, many people are led off to conviction unjustly or even have had evidence that would exonerate them intentionally withheld. And we know that happens. These people lose their whole lives in prison. They're even executed. Man, God help us to be just to see life as sacred, and to weigh very carefully our judgments. Man, if we act unjustly in our justice system, then we've broken this commandment. And because the commandments are a reflection of the heart of God, we've broken the heart of God, and we've committed murder. There are lots of other examples I could cite for how murder takes place today, but you may be surprised that in the New Testament, Jesus, man, as he is wont to do, puts a twist on, on this thing, and, and he doesn't do away with this law, Right, he 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 ratchets it up, right? You may have been sitting here saying, "Well, I'm, I man, I'm cool with uh, not sending people off as cannon fodder. Um, I I I believe in uh, right to life. I 
I'm, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in favor of uh, criminal justice reform, all those things. So I'm, I'm good. But Jesus, man, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus gets to, to the root of things. And um, he, he, makes a, a, he puts a brighter light. So let's take a look at Jesus' commentary on the Sixth Commandment. Remember, this is Jesus, God the Son in the flesh. Um, so we get to see the true meaning of do not murder or honor life as sacred. Because Jesus is God in the flesh, this is God himself telling us what's behind this law. And this is God's commentary on the ten, the, this particular commandment, the sixth commandment. So in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he kind of cuts through. How many of us are, uh, if we check our own hearts, we're a lot like the people of Jesus' day where we would look at the law and we would try to maybe play semantic word games so that we're not breaking the law, right? Where the law says what it says, and we try to manipulate the words or get like right up to the line of the law and, and teeter, but not, but not go over it, right? Kelly's afraid I'm going to fall off the stage right now, uh, <laughs> right? That, that's what we do. And Jesus' uh, people in his time did the same thing. So Jesus cuts right through that as, as he uh, does so well. Um, and Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount that we're all guilty of murder. Like every, all of, all of us. Does that sound like an exaggeration? Maybe it sounds a little, <laughs> a little harsh. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus is getting something wrong here. Listen to the words of Jesus. Again, God the Son in human flesh from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Now let's pause. So Jesus here is talking about what we just read in, in Genesis, right? Like, um, here, here's what you're liable for, to judgment for a man's life. Your, a life is going to be required. And he's talking about the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. Jesus is reminding people of, of what they know already. You've heard it said of this. You believe this. So check this out. Verse 22, Jesus says, but I say to you, here again, Jesus is asserting his authority over the law, right? Um, we'll get to that in a second. He says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother... You ever been angry with your brother? Hang on. Will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Whoa. He says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Man. Okay, so man, Jesus, uh, Jesus is not playing around. Jesus, lowly, meek, and mild, right? Here, here he is, cutting right to our hearts. It's interesting, in Jesus' discussion of murder here, he never mentions the physical act of taking someone's life, does he? Not a single time. Not that we should do that, but again, Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter. He's saying what we say even, and more importantly, the origin of what we say, our hearts is the heart of the matter. And, um, you know, he's saying real righteousness has got to surpass this going up to the letter of the law, but missing the heart of the law. And Jesus is, he said, we got to get to the heart of the law. And that's what he's, he's pointing us to here. So let's look at the, real, the reality underneath the law. First is that, as I pointed out, Jesus has the authority to define the terms. Right? Jesus... Jesus says, you've heard this said, and you got that, but I'm telling you something deeper. 
I'm trying to unlock for you what's at the bottom of this law. It's not for, so you can check boxes. It's, a, it's about your soul, man, right? It's about what's going on internally. And Jesus says that the, the concept of murder actually goes deeper than we would even realize. Um, so he's, again, he's not contradicting the law, but he's giving us a deeper, further understanding. Um, so um, he says then, Jesus, he has the authority to define the terms, but he says that the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. It's not about checking boxes necessarily. It's not necessarily even about following the written law. It's about following the law that God has placed upon your heart. What is the condition of our souls? You know, everybody thought that they would be uh, free uh, from the law. If we thought we were good so far with the Ten Commandment thing, Jesus said, let me read you the New American Standard translation. I like how it words it. It says, Jesus says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be answerable to the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, right? That, that, that word rakat, it's, it's um, you empty-headed, worthless person is what it's saying. Uh, you good for nothing shall be answerable to the Supreme Court, and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. I guarantee you that when Jesus said these words, you could have heard a pin drop. All these self-righteous people standing around you, I keep the law, I don't murder. Jesus says, wait a minute. Let me, let me open your heart a little bit. And let, I'm going to shine a light into your heart and let you see what's, what's really going on in there. Um, and this is where all of us should say, uh-oh. All right, Jesus not only knows what I do and cares about what I do, He cares about not only my, my words and deeds, He cares about my motives and the intentions of my heart. Um, he, talks, he, he points at the origin of our actions. The Apostle Paul gives more insight on this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, be angry, listen to this, do not uh, be angry and do not sin. So clearly there's a way to be angry, but he says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. This is kind of a paraphrase of what uh, they say uh, Denzel Washington said to Will Smith after the thing at the Oscars, right? Give no opportunity to the devil. Uh, you know, anger, anger is an emotion. And emotions aren't necessarily a bad thing, are they? You know, I, I, I always say that emotions are wonderful servants, terrible masters, right? Terrible masters. Um, there's a right, even righteous way. There are right and righteous reasons uh, to be angry. But anger applied in wrong situations, get this, and for the wrong reasons or allowed to reign unchecked in our heart and mind is very dangerous. You know, in the uh, original language here, this word angry is a present passive participle. Uh, congratulations. Glad, glad that we all know that. But what it means, it's important. What it means is a consistent action. It's a repeated thing that's like, it's like lies under the surface. It's always there, right? Uh, like uh, the Incredible Hulk says his secret is that he's always angry, right? That's how he can go zero to 100 like that because he's always a little mad. Um, it's a consistent thing. Jesus is specifically talking about a continual anger that's um, just under the surface for an individual or for a group 
of individuals. It's a it's an anger. It's a hatred for certain people. Now, now, now we're we're getting to the heart of the matter, and I I want us to. There, there's going to be an uncomfortable. If you haven't already felt uncomfortable, um, you will. So don't don't turn away from that. Lean into that. Uh, that that's a sign in your conscience. Say okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Let me listen. Um, and maybe God can, can heal me of, of this sort of thing. Um, this is where the intents of our, our heart are revealed. So I want to put some real-world feet on. Um, I'm going to just ask some questions, okay? If you're looking to hire somebody for a job or fill a slot on your sports team or invite people to an event, do you consider the ethnicity of that person to be a barrier? Just asking a question. Just asking a question. Are you more likely to distrust someone if they aren't the same color as you? Are you more likely to believe or trust someone based on the color of their skin? Is there a group of people that you're secretly angry at? It's kind of under the surface. Maybe it's all black people or all Asians or all white people or all Mexicans or Jews. If so, I want you to hear me in the context of Jesus, who was a Jew, and is a Jew, by the way. Jesus' own teaching, if that is a condition that's underlying in your heart, man, we're guilty before God. You know, maybe it's all rich people, which is a sliding scale, meaning anyone who makes more money than you think they should make, right? Or maybe it's all, you don't want to be around the poor people, which is a sliding scale, meaning anyone that makes less than you do. I'm just asking questions, just checking our hearts this morning, asking God to reveal things to us. Of course, it's not only groups of people. We also feel like this with individual people. Now, now we're going to crank up the tension a little more. Um, do you know of people in your life with whom you are consistently angry and you, you can't seem to get along? And as much as it depends on you, you don't care if you get along. Is there someone like that in your life? Are there people who have hurt you and you carry that hurt with you maybe? And that's, that's understandable. But the question is, are you nursing that hurt? Do you hold on to it? In other words, you savor that hurt. You feed it. You stew on it. You ruminate, thinking about it all the time. You know, I know exactly what I'm going to say to that person uh, if I get the opportunity to confront them. Maybe, um, you know, I'll, I'll do it verbally. Maybe I'll do it physically, but I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my revenge. And there there's the kick that that's the thing the revenge revenge is the Lord's, right? That, that that's His. Um, you know maybe there's someone who's legit hurt you, and that's understandable. But secretly, here's where the heart check comes in. Would you be glad if they repented? Or maybe not. Maybe you want to keep nursing that anger. And that hurt. Maybe you don't secretly want them to repent. Think about that. Ultimately, unchecked and continual anger turns to hatred. And spiritually, according to Jesus, that equates to murder. You know, we rightly love John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. But I want us to look at 1 John 3.15. 1 John 3.15 says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, 
and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Man, okay. <laughs> man, God's word uh, is not playing any games. Um, man, God's word points us to something that all of us have done. If we're, are we going to be real here today? Man, if, 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 um, if, if you have uh, walked through these passages this morning, you think, well, I, I'm good. I'm, I, I don't do any of that. Can I be real? You're deceiving yourself. And I would be deceiving myself. This is true of all of us, man. Um, you might say, well, um, this is our, you know, it's talking about our hearts. Really, are, are our words such a big deal? He says, you know, don't say to someone, you fool or you worthless person. Is that such a big deal? Well, uh, what comes out of, out of our mouths? I heard uh, Dennis Thurman, one of my mentors, says that our, our tongue is like a bucket that reaches down into our heart. And what's in there comes out, right? Our tongue brings out what's inside of us. Our words are a big deal. I, I'm, I'm guilty here. I have looked at someone as stupid or worthless. H- have you? The, these uh, words that I say to people, these thoughts that I have about people, they show my heart's tendency to demean other people, to set myself above other people who, who we have been reminded are made in the image of God, who are set apart and precious to God. When I see people as stupid or worthless, I'm demeaning God's work and God's image. And when I voice that to that person, I am, whether I realize it or not, trying to destroy their understanding of their worth in Christ and His deep love for them. And we don't know how words might affect another person, man. I'm telling you, I've, I've hurt people. Um, it, may, it may not even be words. It's a cut of the eyes, a demeanor toward them. They reveal our hearts. Um, and I've had to call and seek forgiveness from people decades later as God has revealed things to me. I, I've shared a story here before. It's been a while. I'll share it again. I, I had a, a teacher in high school, man, Mr. Peacock. At Reynolds, and I, I was horrible to that man. I was horrible to him. I, in front of the whole class, I demeaned him. I made fun of him. I made life miserable for that man, and laughed about it to his face. And you say, "Oh, well, kids are stupid," and you know we do stupid things. I knew exactly. I, I knew I was being mean, but people laughed. You know, people laughed about it. Um. Later, I found out years, I mean, this has probably been, what, 10 years ago, Kelly? I, find out, I found out that during that time, my teacher, had he was once a, uh, an elder in his church, um, doing really well. And he had recently, went, while I was his student, just before that, had lost his wife and child in, in a horrific way. And... During that time, the reason he was so grumpy and angry all the time was because he's in a really dark place. In life, he was in a dark place with himself. He's in a dark place with the Lord. Um, man, and God used me hearing about that to break my heart. Uh, my heart deserved breaking. 
Here's the truth. My heart needed breaking so that I would acknowledge my sin and I would seek forgiveness from him, from that guy. I did, and he, he forgave me. He was very gracious. And then I would repent before the Lord and be healed. And so maybe today God is graciously breaking your heart about something. I would encourage you to yield to him, man. There's freedom there. Don't, don't walk around in that prison. Let God free you of it. Um, just a real quick thing. You may say, well, you know, since we've all done this, that kind of, I mean, everybody does it, right? It's not a big deal. Well, think about it. <laughs> Universal guilt doesn't make the guilt less, does it? It makes it worse. All right? We, it, it should help us realize that we, uh, we're guilty. And again, if, we, if we, we've looked through these things today and, and come out, un, we think we've come out unscathed, man, we... Man, let's get together and talk because I, um, there's, there's a self-deception um, taking place there. Um, I could list a lot of other things. We all need the Savior is the point. We all need the Savior. Thankfully, there is one. Right? He, uh, his name is Jesus. He's the real one. Right? He's the Savior. So, so what do we do with that twinge of guilt that we feel in our hearts today? What do we do with it? Well, we look at our sin for what it is. We admit that to ourselves. It's sin against a holy God. And we turn our sinful hearts to God and we say, God, I own it. You know, don't say, oh, that wasn't the real me. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. Own it before God. Admit it to Him. Confess your sin to Him. Acknowledge it not just to yourself. There's no hope in that. Don't acknowledge it only to other people, a trusted friend. They ultimately can't do anything about your sin. Right now, we, we do need to admit it to ourselves, and we do need to confess our sins to one another. There's, there's strength in that. There's unity in that. There's freedom in that. But only God can truly wipe away our sins, right? Only God can give us the fresh start. Only God has paid the penalty for our sin. Jesus, God the Son, we sang earlier, Jesus paid it all. That's what we're talking about. For my guilt of murder and hating my brother or sister, for your guilt of murder in whatever fashion, Jesus paid it all. You can be free. You don't have to like try to make uh, try to have your good deeds outweigh your bad. That's impossible. You're, you're, you're under the death penalty. You've committed murder. Jesus says, no, what you, what you need is grace, and it's free. That's why we have a big cross back here. That's because Jesus paid for that grace upon one of, something that looked a lot like that. He paid it all. And so I would encourage you to cast your sin. There's no sin so big that God's grace can't erase it. He is sufficient, you guys. That's great news for me, at least. Right? That's great news. Listen to these promises from the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 5. For our sake, he made him, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. First John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All, all unrighteousness. And Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, do you want to be set free from the guilt that we've seen this morning? Well, you can be. And 
It's what only Jesus offers you, but offer it, he does, man. My advice, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus.